Hey everybody, this is Pastor Luke McDonald and this is the Good News in the Neighborhood podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. You're gonna find two things in this feed. In this season, you're gonna find Sunday sermons from our church in Palatine, Illinois. And you're gonna find an occasional little piece of content that is towards our initiative to try to help our church read the Bible more regularly. It's called Good With Our Bibles. We're trying to read the Bible regularly and we're trying to interpret it accurately. And that's what you're gonna find in this feed. We are a multi-ethnic Bible teaching life-giving church. This is our little theme song that you're hearing in the background. And uh, it helps us, anything you do, rating the podcast, sharing it, all that stuff helps the word get out. We're not trying to build the name of a church. We're trying to build the name of Jesus in our little local community. And if you found this, I hope it's useful to you. Thank you. Let's listen now. I'm excited to preach to you today. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Matthew chapter two. And uh, all those announcements were well given. I, um, we're excited about Christmas Eve. If it's easier for your family and your schedule to be here on Saturday, at five, it's going to be a good time, and uh, it'll be like dark and kind of candlelit in here. I think it'll be great, and we'll be here Sunday at 10 and 12. It's a really, it's going to be, uh, I think, a really good thing. So uh, the message today is, is sort of about finding what you're looking for. And uh, Friday night, I was uh, over at uh, a basketball game at Fremd High School. My son, oldest, was playing, and all the kids were there, and uh, it was like one of those environments. It was so fun. There was like a band playing, and... There were people cheering, and there was all kinds of people around, and it was like, it was really, everything was great. Uh, my son won his game, take that, Barrington, and we were just, uh, we were feeling good, was my point. And then uh, Car- uh, Reed, my second, came and found me to tell me that he had lost his phone, which, and that's like a really bad day when, when you're an adult, you lose your phone, and you feel crippled, you know? or if your phone breaks, which is funny because I remember being an adult-ish and not having a phone and being like totally fine. But now it's like the whole world falls apart. So he, and Reed, uh, my second, is the most intense human uh, on the earth, I think. He just, he like has this little skinny body and he just starts like wrenching it all around with like cause of the feelings. And he, for him to lose his phone, it's, it's over. And so we were scouring we were up in the balcony, we were under the bleachers, we were looking on my phone where it was on the Find Friends and then trying to find it in the building. I don't know if you've ever been through this and then like all of a sudden the thing moves and he had like somehow he corralled the principal to help him and there were like all these, there was thousands of people there. He doesn't even go to the school and the whole thing was just like, we're gonna find this kid's phone. And we stayed all the way till, we were like one of the last people in the building and uh, we never found it. But, uh, we think it's in, I don't know, we think we're going to get it tomorrow. Uh, it's in like the police officer's office. So it ended up working out for me actually kind of good because he didn't have his phone, which was like a cool punishment. But like I didn't have to give him the punishment. It was like because he couldn't get it. So it ended up working out great for me. But my point is, I can't barely get that kid to make his bed. But when he wanted to find his cell phone, he was willing to go wherever he had to go and do whatever he had to do and overcome whatever barrier was in front of him because the thing that he was going after was worth it. If you understand that, you're going to understand uh, our story today. It says this, now after Jesus uh, was born, this is Matthew chapter 2 and verse 1. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, uh, wise men came from the east to Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. 
When Herod the king uh, heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him, and uh, assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he, he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way and behold the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Uh, the story of the wise men is a story of doing whatever you have to do and overcoming whatever you have to overcome to get the thing that you're looking for. I just want to show it to you piece by piece. So the story starts, um, it says, after Jesus was born, verse 1, Jesus was born in Bethlehem, and he was born in the days of Herod the king. Okay, pretty simple. But these wise men, they came from the east to Jerusalem, and they were saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. Uh, if you're writing things down, you might write this down. It starts with this. Go wherever I have to go to find light. So these guys show up, and we have this kind of idea. We travel and move, you know, in the world that we're living in today pretty easily. Like you can jump on a plane. I was just talking to somebody that was telling me they're going to be here, I think, on Christmas Eve, and then they're going from here on Christmas Eve to the airport, and then by the time they go to sleep, they're going to be in Florida. We, have, we live in a day and a time that is pretty easy movement and travel. So we can lose track of what's happening in this story of the wise men. When they show up, these guys, it says they came from the east, which means probably Babylon or Persian courts. And when it says that they were wise men, uh, it means that they were people who combined astronomical observation and astrological speculation. So they were people who looked at the sky and looked at the stars, you know, the Big Dipper and the, it's not really like a big thing in the suburbs to look at the stars. If you've been anywhere anytime recently out where there isn't all the light around, it's pretty cool, the sky. And you know, I mean, they didn't have video games or whatever back then, so they were pretty into looking up in the sky, is my point at the stars. And so these guys, what they were schooled in was looking at the movement of the planets and the stars and combining that with some of the like horoscope kind of stuff to try to tell people where their lives were going next or what was happening. So they had this sort of like actual knowledge and mystical knowledge combined in one. And these guys show up, and they were significant enough that they immediately got in to talk to the king. And they were saying, by the way, it's written, we saw this star, and from what we know of this star, this star is pointing to someone who is soon going to take the throne of the nation that you are leading, king, do you think that you can direct us to where this person might be? So there's a few things right here. Like a lot of smart people, it seems like the wise men were maybe a little bit lacking socially. You know, you ever get around those people that are so smart that they really don't know how to talk to anybody else? 
Yeah, okay, a few of you are nodding. Maybe you're married to that person. I don't know, but not like the best vibe to show up and be like, hey, so I know we've just met and everything, but we're pretty sure that like this baby was just going to be born, and so you're not going to be king anymore, and he is. Do you know where he is? You know, like, you know what I mean? It's not like exactly the easiest vibe. And so, but they're like, really on this, we saw this star, this star rose, and this star has made it so that we have come to worship him. Uh, this wasn't the only time that this happened. About 30 years after Jesus went to heaven, another group showed up to meet with Emperor Nero that's reported in ancient history. That didn't turn out to be true. From what we can gather, this is maybe a year after or so Jesus was born. And these guys show up saying, something happened when this baby was born. And we've come because we're, we're trying to figure out what it is. This means that they saddled up their camels, rode on their mules or horses for a year to figure out who this baby was. That is a, something that's like, honestly, for our minds and how used to convenience we are, fairly difficult to comprehend, right? Like, I, um, Starbucks is closing all of their locations that don't have drive-thrus. So I'm like really sad about that one at Streets of Woodfield still. I don't know if anybody else has that. So I loved going there. Why? Because people don't even want to get out of their car to get their burned coffee. So, no? Was that, was that a little elitist? Sorry, that was a little elitist. That felt a little... These guys were so, whatever they saw in the sky was so something to them that they dropped everything and said, we can't do anything else until we figure out what's going on with this thing over here. It was such a powerful... And so they show up, just imagine, they show up and they're all excited, right? They think, all right, so if anybody's going to know what's going on, the king's going to know. So they show up at the court, and I don't know if it was the, their obvious wealth or whatever was happening, but they like got right in to see the king they're like, hey, we saw the star. I'm sure you already know. Like, what? Where's this king who's been born king of the Jews? We saw a star. We've come to worship him. Uh, it shows me something that um, expectation often determines experience. I don't know if you've, experienced, if you've figured that out in your life yet. They showed up with the idea that they were about to meet the king. And so they were inevitably going to be overjoyed by what they saw when they get there. When you uh, show up at Christmas expecting to be annoyed by that one uncle that you have who always is awkward and frustrating, I have one of those I'm probably going to see. Uh, if you show up assuming the person's going to be a jerk, the first time they open their mouth, you're going to feel like they're being a jerk. There's going to be people that you might see that you can't wait to see because they're some of your favorite people, and you're going to go into it with this idea, like, I can't wait to hug and talk to this person. What we, the expectations that we come with often determine our experience. Whatever they saw in the star made them so confident that something incredible was about to happen, that they were willing to give. I think I have a map to show you. This is the journey that they had just taken. And the journey that they took, just think about all the nights over a year that they spent thinking, I can't wait to figure out who this child is. I can't. Man, can you believe when we get there? Can you believe when we get there how great it's going to be? Night after night after night after night. And they arrive to this. 
It says that when Herod the king, verse 3, heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Uh, he was, another translation is disturbed. It was the idea that he was in turmoil or terrified. He was told that there's this baby who's here who's probably going to take your place. And so he decides right there in that moment, I've got to put a stop to this. I've got to get rid of this baby. I've got to figure out what's going on. The, the wise men hear that there's a king and they think this is the person to worship. Herod hears there's a king and he thinks I've got to do something to stop it. Uh, Herod the Great, I'll just tell you a little bit about him. There's a few different Herods in the Bible. This one was a, uh, he was half Jewish. He ascended to power in 37 BC. He was a great builder. He was a shrewd diplomat. By this point in time, he was old. Uh, he had numerous sons and wives and other people close to him put to death because he feared plots to overthrow him. He was old enough that a newborn baby couldn't possibly become king before he was dead himself, yet he sees a threat. This is why, like in verse 7 and 8, it says that he, what he does is he gets the wise men, he brings them in and he says, hey, you know what we're going to do? You, you go find out where the baby is. And then once you find out, come and tell me. And we'll like all go together and worship him. That's his little scheme so that he can get rid of the baby. And it's interesting because you see here, um, this is what it's like. Some people hear about Jesus Christ, this baby who's now the king. And some people hear about it and they're like, I can't wait. There's people in my life, there's people in this room, there's people that I know who like, when they figured out who Jesus was, they just made a beeline directly towards him. And then there's other people who hear about Jesus Christ and they like can't come up with enough reasons to avoid and wanting to stay away or destroy your enthusiasm for him. Some people do whatever they have to do to darken the light. This is sometimes youthful rebellion. This is sometimes when people attack the, the church or they attack the person who's telling them. It's when people, young people sometimes attack their parents for trying to make them religious or whatever. Some people become aware of the great light of Jesus Christ and they want to do whatever they can to darken it. Uh, this is what Herod is, is doing. He's, he's going to kill the baby. So it says in verse 4, what he does is he uh, assembles all the chief priests and scribes of the people. It's called a big meeting. Get all the important people together. And he asks them, so where was this Christ supposed to be born? Remember, we talked about this a little bit if you were here last week, that um, the people of this time, Jewish culture, had this, like the number one thing in their culture was they were waiting for this Messiah, this person who was going to come and fix everything. It was like the single most important thing in their culture was the baby that they were waiting for. Like American culture, I would say our single most important thing is that we're free, right? The single most important thing is don't tell me what to do. It's like we park where we want, we do what we want. We're free. That's our thing. The thing for the people in this time was, there's this person who's coming. So Herod gets the chief, all the people together. He's like, hey, so tell me again. Like, remind me again. Bring me up to speed again on what's the deal with this baby that's supposed to be born. And so it says that the, the scribes, they told him, they were like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's supposed to be born in Bethlehem of Judea. That's in verse 5 there. You can see it. For so it's written by the prophet, you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for 
From you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. This is a reference to the book of Micah in the Bible, chapter 5 and verse 2. So they like knew right away. They were like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. If there's a baby that's been born that's going to be the king, he was for sure born in Bethlehem. And this is another element uh, about seeking after the light. Is are you willing or am I willing to learn whatever I have to learn to decide about this light? What's so interesting about these characters in the story, the sort of nameless, faceless government officials, is they had seen the star. They knew that if a king was going to be born, it was going to be born in Bethlehem. Yet, they showed no interest in figuring out who this baby was or if it was something significant for them to find out about. They were almost delighted in their ignorance. It is remarkable that they would know where the Messiah was be born, not yet act on that knowledge. It's amazing how, I guess what I'm trying to say is it is amazing how often we miss the signs that are right in front of us of God trying to show us what we need to know. It's amazing how easy it is for us to not pay attention to the signs right in front of us. I was at a birthday party last night. One of my closest friends turned 40, which I remember when people who were 40 and 60 seemed the same. I don't know if you remember that point in your life. And now I'm like, ah, 40, kind of young. I don't know. I, this, I, had, I was at this, like I told you, I was at this basketball game the other night, and I saw this hall monitor. And I was like, you were 80 when I went here, and you were a hall monitor. How are you still sitting in that same chair telling people not to have fun at this basketball game? I, so all this to say, I was sitting uh, with these two friends of mine, and we were talking about how these two guys and me, we celebrated, uh, we celebrated my 21st birthday together. And now we were celebrating one of their 40th birthdays together. And we got to talking. If you know anything, I'm looking around the room. There's that weird thing about aging where it feels like it's been a 1,000 years and it feels like it's been like 20 minutes, kind of at the same. You know what I'm talking about? And we got to reminiscing and laughing. And the whole conversation, I don't know why, got into, we started making, teasing each other uh, about all of the wrong girls that we had each been dating at various points of time, especially back in that college time period. I don't know if you have any of those in your life. Uh, and it's like really funny to tease other people about it, and it feels kind of personal when they make fun of you about it. But we got to that thing, it was all the same story. It was like, do you remember when she did this, and you didn't break up with her? And do you remember when she did this? And do you, and do you remember when she wore sweatpants to a wedding, and you still didn't? It was all these kind of like things like this back and forth. And the whole thing, what's my point? It is so easy to miss the signs. It's so easy to miss the signs where you look back from over here and you're like, how did that happen and that happened and that happened and I couldn't see it? How did that happen and that happened and that happened and I couldn't see it? The great God um, of the universe, who I believe is right here, as real as you and I are here right now, he's here with us right now, is because of his kindness and his love, is sending us signs all the time. It's just a question of whether or not we choose to see them. The signs are there. It's just, am I willing to look and see it? Why? The wise men, they show up and they're like, we saw this star and we spent a year riding a camel because we got to figure it out. 
And then the scribes in the court are like, I mean, I guess it's down the street. Bethlehem was probably five miles away from where they were sitting. And they knew, yeah, if the king's coming, he's probably in Bethlehem. But they were willingly missing the signs. Here's a few signs that we miss. Uh, sometimes we miss when God puts people in our path to try to show us that he loves us or who he is. It's amazing how often God will put uh, that one person who all of a sudden you work with, who's a person of faith, they're a little different, or that one person on a team that you're on, or that one person that you just like, I don't know, you met them at church and you just feel connected, or there's that one person. And if you look back, if you're a person of faith, you look back on how did I get here, usually it's because God put a person somewhere in your path that helped you get from here to there. But we have this way of like treating things like that sometimes as they're like a coincidence. Instead of seeing what they are, that it's a God who loves us putting people in our path. I look around the room and there's people that are here because their neighbor told them about it or they worked with somebody or they golfed with somebody or they, they knew somebody or these, all these little things, these are signs that sometimes we miss. Sometimes we miss um, signs that are through doors that open or close is, a lot of, is often the way that God shows us things. You send out 50 resumes and that one place calls you back. That experience is sometimes the thing that's God opening a door or closing a door. Sometimes it's, I work at this and nothing happens. I work at this and nothing happens. I work at this and it seems like something comes from it. Well, that is often a sign from God. A couple more. Sometimes we don't do a good enough job of paying attention to the joy or the happiness we feel in various places or situations. This is like so basic, but I, it's amazing how often that we miss it. Like I could feel it when all those kids were on the stage in the room, pretty much everybody here was like at a 10, right? Like that, it's about, as, it's about as good as it gets. When Lisa came and grabbed her son who was crying, that was like probably the best thing that's happened to me so far this Christmas season. That was my top so far. <laughs> but sometimes we don't do a very good job of paying attention to, I feel joy when I'm serving. I feel joy when I'm at church. I feel joy when I'm with those people. I feel joy when I'm working hard. I feel God often is giving us signs in the things that we enjoy. I'll tell you an example. Kristen likes to tease. Uh, Kristen likes to tease me about how many words I have to say on a daily basis. Uh, that happened this morning. Actually, it was like I don't know, ten minutes till six, and I was leaving to come over here, and I was telling her something or other about something that was going to happen today, and she was like, "Can I just read my Bible in peace right now?" I was like, sure, no problem, okay, yeah, yeah. And I just got out. She likes to tease me that I have so many, I just have a lot of words, I don't know. And the way that God uses that in my life is I spend hours on the phone, like hours, every single day with people in this church and friends that I have and other people uh, talking, counseling, praying. I like really enjoy talking to people that I care about. Other people are like, they're so introvert vibe that they're already feeling nervous about how worn out with people they're going to be when Christmas is over. So nothing wrong with either one of those. The point is that we're, God is giving us signs by the things that give us joy or happiness. I can't wait to talk to people. I have friends who I send them 20 texts and they don't respond to any of them and don't even understand why I find that annoying. In the front row. 
So why does this matter? It matters because life is short and life is challenging and it is difficult sometimes to figure out which way am I supposed to go or not, what's the next step that I'm supposed to take. And I was just so captured as, as I was studying this story that two groups of people saw the same star. But some people have an openness to say, God, if you want to show me, if you want to meet me, if you want to be in my life, I want to figure out who you are. I want to figure out what you're doing. I want to try to understand what path you want me to take. And other people are just like, I don't know, not interested. So the story finishes this way. After listening, verse 9, to the king, uh, it says that they, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. All right, so let's just try to get what the Bible's saying. So they saw the star, and they were chasing after the star. Now to read that sentence, it appears that at some point along the way, they didn't see the star anymore, but they had enough faith to keep pursuing after it. They showed up, the king was like, I can't help you. I don't know, I can't help you. And now all of a sudden, the star shows back up again, and it shows up in such a powerful and intense way that it says it comes to rest over the place where the child was. So a year has passed, Mary and Joseph aren't in the stable anymore. There's nothing wrong with the nativity scene when they show the shepherds and the wise men there. They were never there at the same time. It's also nothing to get too angry about. It looks nice, it's symmetrical, three and three, whatever, it's fine. So wherever Mary and Joseph were at that point, the star came. Just think about how crazy it would look if a star in the sky was obviously resting over top of one particular dwelling or building. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. They had enough faith to keep on moving towards the star when they couldn't see it. And now here it was. They rejoiced. That's like the best the Bible has in the original language to say they flipped out with enthusiasm. They couldn't believe it. And so it says they, they went right into the house, which I like the idea. It kind of reads like they just came in. They saw the star and they just burst in the doors and they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. I, again, I really, um, I really liked seeing all those little kids, you know? But I mean, kids are literal and kids are vulnerable and kids can't do much of anything without their parents. And whatever they felt because of what they saw with the star was enough that when they got into the presence of the baby, they got on their face and started praising, knowing that somehow this child was the king that they had been searching for every moment that they were living their lives. And then it says that they opened their treasures and they offered him gifts. Where we got the idea that there were three wise men is because they brought three gifts, three gifts for three guys. I don't, like if it's anything, like last night, I showed up at this birthday party and the guy I brought with didn't have a gift, so he just wrote his name on the card that I brought. If the guys were in charge of the thing, it was probably like 20 wise men for three gifts. I'm just thinking about the way 
I'm just thinking anything about the way that your Christmas, if you can, I'm sure you can guess how many presents I've bought and wrapped versus my lovely wife who's somewhere around. Like, if it's anything like that, anyways, that's for free. Just do it that way you will. But they offered him gifts. And the gifts that they brought were gold and frankincense and myrrh. Gold because gold is the idea of highest value. Frankincense and myrrh because they were of great value and of, uh, they were spices that were used for preparation, for perfume. They were used for uh, significant when people died, these kinds of things. And the whole point of the thing is that they brought the very best that they had. And I just wonder, are we willing to give whatever we have to give to have the light? I mean, it must have been crazy to be Mary. Like, what's she going to do with all this stuff? The point wasn't that the child needed the gift. The point was that they wanted to give all they had to show that they knew that they had found the king that they were looking for. I saw this. This was helpful to me. They had scanned the skies and poured through the ancient texts. They had plotted through deserts and made their way over mountains. They had knocked on doors and tiptoed into temples. These men and their entourage rode and walked and climbed their way from their home to a place so completely foreign to them. And yet, the journey of the wise men pales in comparison to the one they were worshiping. Jesus had the longer trip, leaving the throne of heaven and coming to live among his people. They brought everything they had because they decided that the child was worth it. It uh, reminds me of this story that Jesus tells in the book of Matthew chapter 13, where he says, if you want to understand what, what it's like, the kingdom of heaven, this thing that I'm trying to teach you about, if you understand what it's like, it's like this. There's uh, this merchant and he's in search of fine pearls. And when he finds the, the one pearl of great value, he goes and he sells every single thing that he has to get the one thing that is worth everything else, more than everything else. If it matters enough to us, we're willing to do crazy things to get it. I've maybe told you this story before, but I remember uh, years ago, uh, Kristen and I had been dating and then we were broken up and I was, trying to get, we were trying to, I was trying to get back together with her. We were college age, so I was like so broke like broke or, you know, like, I feel broke now, but like, I, w I mean, compared, you know when you're like broke, broke, when you're counting like the cents in the dollars in your checking account broke. And I decided that I wanted to get, I wanted to try to win her back. And so I just took like every single piece of clothing that I owned, including like other than the ones I was wearing, I just put them all in a garbage bag and brought them to that store. Do you remember that store? Uh, what's it called? Plato's Closet, yeah. And I was just like, here's everything I have. What will you give me for all this stuff? And the guy kind of looked at me with that face and was like, $41 or whatever it was. And I was like, done. And I used that to buy her a present for her birthday, which was part of my like, let's get married and have a bunch of kids and start a church and this whole dream. No, I didn't know any of that then. I just knew, <laughs> I just knew that this person was worth whatever it was going to take. Maybe, just maybe, just maybe, just maybe. Um, maybe, just maybe, you're not getting the experience of knowing the great God of the universe 
because you're approaching him a little bit more like the scribes or like Herod. Kind of like sort of interested, kind of like I'll pay attention when it's convenient, kind of like, uh, you know, nothing wrong with it, but it's just not like, I'm just not like one of those crazy people. And I just see in this story such a powerful call to if Jesus is who the Bible says he is, if uh, Jesus is what these songs we sing are saying that he is, he is worth putting everything else to the side completely and totally to grab onto him because if we have him, then we have everything that we need. And so I'm not, uh, I'm not coming with anything dramatic at the finish just to say, I wonder as you approach Christmas, is, uh, is Jesus one of the things that you're seeking after? Or is he the thing that if you grab onto him, you've got everything? I guess I'm just saying, like, I'm pretty sure the wise men weren't, like, aren't now, if you could talk to them, like, we shouldn't have given them all that gold. Just, I don't know, maybe the frankincense was fine, but maybe not the myrrh. There's just uh, this thing that soon life is past and only what is done for Christ will last. So they're going to sing a song in a second. It's uh, beautiful. You can listen. I think it's going to encourage you. It's about this truth about Jesus. But I just want for us, as we are approaching this time, to not get lost in all the other stuff, but to see Jesus Christ, the light, the King, worth giving everything for. Come on. This has been the Good News Neighborhood Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the song. I hope it's been helpful to you. We'll see you again soon. This is Good News.